0: Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast, where our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I'm Gian Lemmy, and today's guest is John Malura. He has an interesting background. I'm not going to spoil it because we're going to get into it, but he's in front of me right now. Um, And John, I am so interested to hear your answer to this question. What does it mean to you to be a Christian coach?
1: Ooh. Man, both of those words have a lot attached to it, Um, singularly. But I think when you put them both together, being a Christian coach for for me means really, you know, to to coin the phrase from the 90s, like what, what would Jesus do? Like he was such an amazing leader, but not like in your face and screaming like he led by example and he just had such compassion and, you know, was able to see through so much of the layers and the shields that humans put up. And as a coach, you know, it's one thing to have people doing the exercises or running the drills or, you know, winning the competition. But as a coach, you have such, you have such an opportunity to see people at their best and their worst. And, that might be the worst. Might not be something that anyone else can see, and you can really speak life into them, just just like Jesus did. Um, so so that's what it means to me is to really look past maybe the facade, past the under armour receiver gloves and the fancy shoes, and like what's really going on with with the you know with the athlete in front of you.
0: Yeah, that's really really good. I think that's true. Jesus looked. You know, the, especially the disciples and those in contact with him, they just were so worried about their physical needs and their physical states, you know, and Jesus would always go back to, how is your soul?
1: <laughs> yeah, right.
0: <laughs> um, Love that. John, now let's go back to your childhood. Let's start over there. Did you have a nickname growing up?
1: So my family gave me the nickname Minner. Okay. Miniature man, because he said when I was born, I just you wouldn't know it now. I've I've like long dark hair, but when I was born, I had like like very very white hair, and it came in all kind of spiderwebby. And they said I would just sit there, and I looked like a uh, old man with like a really bad comb over, and I had this like little pot belly, that I just put my hands on and would just go. <laughs> so they said I looked like this like miniature old man. So I grew up being called Minner. And then in my professional career, um, my nickname switched to Molly. To Molly. And why is that? Oh, got For it. Laura. Okay. Yeah. 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 One guy's last name was Wall and I called him Wally and he did not think that was funny. So he called me Molly and it stuck. So it became very much like a boy named Sue kind of thing because <laughs> I used to work in a, you know, a, a pretty machismo driven industry. Um, when I worked in corporate, I worked in, you know, aerospace and defense.
0: Yeah. That's, yeah, that, that must be a tough one for a, a, a man named Molly in such an environment.
1: Well, you you, <laughs> you develop a sense of humor real quick, but fortunately I already had one, so it was good to yeah. go. Yeah,
0: go. so you you mentioned he, that you worked in an aerospace area. Um,
1: did you always want to be a rocket scientist? I always wanted to be a soldier actually. I always wanted to serve in the military. However, I was born with very severe club foot, which is where, you know, your feet are turned in and it was an automatic disqualification from the military. So when I found that out, you know, during my high school career, um, I was, I was heartbroken. So I always wanted to be a soldier and didn't really have a plan B and truth be told, I don't know how I ended up in engineering school. I probably had some guidance counselor tell me. you're good at math and science. You should be an engineer. And I was just like, all right, whatever. Fine. So went through engineering school at Penn State University, you know, felt like the dumbest person in the room for four years that I was there and just kind of fell into the job, actually. And it was a very unique skill set that got me the job in, uh, you know, working for stuff for NASA and Department of Defense and Homeland Security.
0: Yeah, that's. Let's go back a little bit. And why did you want to work or work, serve in the military to begin with?
1: I, you know, I mean, that is something that has always interested me, just from like day one, it's just part of my programming. Um, so, like the the furthest back memories I have when I was like you know four or five years old, like I was running around in camouflage in the woods and playing with GI Joes. Um, it it just it just always seemed like a good fit yeah. for me. My my father actually no wasn't a soldier. So it's not like okay. I had
0: Yeah, party. correct. You didn't have any family members. Yeah, no, he was
1: a he was a state trooper, so I was used to, you know, okay. yeah uniforms. Um but yeah, I, I truly don't know. It just was always something that was always felt right. And then when it wasn't right for situ- circumstances beyond my control, um it, it kind of just left me rudderless. Yeah.
0: How was your um you're growing up where was your family a christian or did you come to faith um later in life
1: oh brother um, <laughs> so my family we were christians in the sense that we went to church on sundays because that's what you know good people did yeah and you know we always felt like we were very good christians because we would go to church and then, you know, if someone was trying to get ahead of us in the parking lot, we would let them go out and not give them the middle finger, which a lot of people did. <laughs> yeah, they still do. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like, oh, we're really good Christians because, you know, we don't do that. Um, but I went to, I went to Catholic elementary school, and then we moved and then I went to Catholic high school okay. and high school, like halfway through middle school and high school, was really tough for me as a, as a person, um, as it is for everybody in middle school. But, um, I, I took a lot of things really hard and didn't have the skills to really explain how I was feeling or people like to, to like kind of see through that veil. Like I was talking about that facade. Um, so I, I, I went extremely rebellious and went to a Catholic high school And you can imagine, you know, an old school Catholic high school and, you know, some rebellious punk rocker, like that's, that's like, you know, (laughs) oil and (laughs) oil and vinegar, man. Um, But after I graduated high school, I saw a lot of things when it was exposed to a lot of things that were the antithesis of Christianity. So when I graduated, I was like, I not only don't want anything to do with christianity i don't want anything to do with religion i saw so many things that just turned me off to it and looking back on it now it's like i was seeing the human flaws yeah but i i attached so much of it to just religion to the point where if people would say they were religious or something like i would say to them like what you're not strong enough to do life on your own so like i have a very salt of paul kind of story um so I not only was not religious, like I, I stiff armed it. Like I pushed it away yeah. um, until I had pretty much a literal come to Jesus moment after the birth of our first child in 2008. Um, despite like the walls of accomplishments that I had, like I had earned for like NASA and, and all those projects, I just never felt worthy of anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just had this deep seated self doubt. So one of my biggest fears was, thinking I was going to disappoint the people that cared about me or that depended on me. And the first time I was left alone with our first child, she started crying and wouldn't take a bottle. And my wife was out. She was, you know, she was at the store and that, like, just like my anxiety hit. And it's like, see, look, the devil on your, sh- your shoulder is like, see, look, you're, you're going to disappoint this tiny human. That's depending on yep. you. So that started, you know, my anxiety, um, pretty intense. And then You know, so that was like a body blow. And then a couple of months later, um, one of my best childhood friends um, intentionally overdosed and took Mm. his own life. And he was not only a friend, he was a year ahead of me in school. And he was someone that I always looked up to, almost like a big brother, because I have no siblings. Mm. So to lose him like that and someone I looked up to, like it just set me into this, this like spiral and fog and all of my normal coping mechanisms that I had developed, which spoiler alert, they were not healthy coping (laughs) mechanisms. Um, They weren't working. And I just remember I was home alone one day, my wife and daughter were out, I was getting ready for work. And I was just like, I don't know how to go on, like between worrying about not being an adequate father and losing my friend. um, I was like, I don't know how to go on. I don't know if I want to go on. Like, what do I do? And I said the serenity prayer. After over a decade of actively pushing religion, specifically Christianity, away, yeah. I said the Serenity Prayer because I I was at rock bottom, dude. And in that moment, as soon as I you know you know said and the wisdom to know the difference at the end of the Serenity Prayer, yeah. I felt this warm sensation come over me from head to toe, and I thought, I've either just lost my mind and like totally cracked up. Or maybe there's something to this God thing yeah. and looking back on it, like that was the moment of such intense brokenness that, you know, I finally allowed the Holy spirit and Jesus into my life. Cause I used to say, you know, that's where Jesus found me. It's like, no, he was always there. I yeah. just was not Correct. letting him, Right. So that day in 2009 is where I started really taking a hard look at myself Um and i was I was showing up in the world, um, trying to think of a word to, that would fit a adjective that's appropriate for a Christian podcast. <laughs> I, I, I was a big jerk. <laughs> Just yeah. Like that. Okay. yeah. Uh, and that was to protect this like veneer of perfection that I had created yep. by such low self-esteem. And when I realized that, I started really turning my life around and apologizing to people and getting control of my anger and started just you know taking the baby steps of faith. Yeah. So that that's how my faith journey evolved. I wish it had been easier.
0: <laughs> yeah. But here we are. Yeah, sometimes sometimes it just takes God bringing you to a moment of complete despair for yeah. you to for him to get your attention. You know. Yeah. Um that's that's really good. I I also went to a Catholic school in Brazil. Um never were never heard the word of Jesus. And moved to America, came to Liberty University. And the first day I started noticing, I'm like, this is what I've been missing my whole life. I had to travel thousands of miles away from from my family to be like, oh, this is it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember the first time I went to a, a church service after my wife and I decided to come back to the faith. Because yeah. um, she was raised like I was. Like, yeah. you know, she went to church on Sunday, played the bells, and sang in the <laughs> choir. But yeah, you know, didn't never really heard the word and the love of God. And I remember like leaving church the first time we went to one where they actually spoke about just that that love that we're given. And I'm I'm like, why why do I not feel bad about myself leaving church? Normally, when I leave church, I'm, I'm <laughs> I feel pretty bad and <laughs> inadequate. Yeah. Um so, so yeah, it was very eye opening.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So let's, let's go back now to you graduate college and mm-hmm. then you get a job and you talked about a specific set of skills, con- kind of like Liam Neeson
1: a little bit. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what, what were those skills and, and how did that transition happen?
1: Yeah. So the way that the transition happened was I, I call the summer of 1999, the summer of the mouse. All right. <laughs> so I was getting ready to to go into like my my junior slash senior year of college and thought i had like the most awesome internship lined up i was gonna be an intern with disney like the disney it for okay. like their amount years down in florida like i was gonna go there and like see how they do all this stuff um and it fell through at like the last minute and i remember wow. like it was back in the 90s. So I hung the phone back up on the wall. <laughs> for for the younger listeners, like phones didn't used to be in your pocket. Um, so I hung the phone back up on the wall and I was living in my fraternity house and I sat down. My buddy Bill walked in. He's like, dude, you're all right. I'm like, no. And like I just lost like the golden internship. Mickey Mouse just dumped me. Yeah. Yeah. I just got dumped. <laughs> the happiest place on earth. My butt. <laughs> stealer of dreams. Yeah. Like. <laughs> And he said, oh, you could you could come be like the water sports director at this Boy Scout camp I work at. I'm like, number one, I don't wear goofy green shorts, man. <laughs> I'm a rocker, dude. I don't wear goofy yeah. green shorts. And I said, number two, I don't know anything about water sports. And he's like, we'll train you. Everyone's going to be wearing shorts. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no one's going to see you. So, you know, I, I decided to do that. And what I ended up doing was before i got trained to, to do water sports was i worked for the maintenance crew hmm. so i had i had zero marketable skills for a maintenance crew <laughs> at all so i got i got all the the the, the crummy jobs like i was like yeah. chainsaws through the woods um my specific job part two of the summer of the mouse was my job was to de-winterize the facilities okay On like a 14,000 acre like Boy Scout reservation. Dewinterize the facilities. Part of that job meant pull all the dead mice out of the toilets that had fallen in and drowned over the winter. (laughs) That was my job. I had to pull (laughs) dead. I don't even think they were rotting carcasses because the toilets were filled with antifreeze. Like just dead, nasty carcasses of mice. That was my job for like a week. And I'm like, this is awful. I Yeah. I'm not dropping out of school. I don't care how hard it's <laughs> So, but I was like, I'm going to get, I'm, I'm going to learn to drive a boat. I'm going to learn to water ski. Lay at the end of the tunnel, right? Yeah. And, you know, I, one of my other duties was I always have to scrub all the propane tanks. You know, like wow. if you have like or fire pit, <laughs> like I'd have to scrub the rust off and like <laughs> yeah. paint them so i'm sitting on this yeah. field with all these propane tanks with like a wire brush and it's like 100 degrees out and they're all like <laughs> leaking and i'm like this this is an accident waiting to happen but they come up and they're like hey john you psyched about going to training tomorrow i'm like super psyched as yeah. well, <laughs> super couldn't be more excited <laughs> and they're like yeah about that the guy from last year just called he's coming back so it doesn't make any sense to train you <sighs> And they're like, but the maintenance crew is so impressed with your Western Pennsylvania work ethic. <laughs> the maintenance crew would love to keep you on. And I just had these visions of like, you know, septic tank cleanouts in the middle of the night and yep. what else? And I go, oh, all right. Well, got nothing else lined up. And they said, well, there's another position that opened You probably wouldn't be interested. I'm like, let me hear I it. I am. You. <laughs> <laughs> they're like you could be director of of rock climbing but it's like you know outside it's like on a natural cliff it, it's kind of like nerve-wracking i'm like i'll do it yeah <laughs> they're like, you have any experience rock climbing i'm like no i'm scared of heights but i will do it <laughs> <laughs> so I, I i went to training became the director of rock climbing and it, it was awesome like it was it was a yeah. fantastic summer so fast forward two years whenever this company sends a job Thing out to the graduating mechanical engineers at Penn State in 2000 mm. my buddies and I are all sitting around you know on wing night at the bar and they're like do you see that thing about like the astronaut stuff I'm like yeah they're like we should apply we're like yeah we're going to be spacemen so I applied <laughs> yeah it's like a joke to just yeah say I did. and they granted me an interview on the phone <laughs> <laughs> I like I was a decent student I had like a 3.0 which is yeah. awesome for engineering
0: yeah correct yeah
1: and so I do the phone interview. I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. And it was for like a project manager job. Yeah. Knowing what I know now about myself, like project manager, no way. Like I would have been <laughs> off project manager. <laughs> so I'm talking to them and they said, What's this on here about rock climbing? Cause I director of rock climbing, I manage the staff. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Cause I could like, show responsibility. No one died. No one got yeah. seriously injured even. Like I, <laughs> you know, all the boxes checked. And I told him, and they said, "Hang on, someone just walked by that we want you to talk to." And I was like, "Okay." And like, phone goes on mute, and this is before Zoom, so like, I'm just yeah, sitting. yeah, yeah. You're just sitting on the phone, yeah. yeah. And like, comes off mute. Person doesn't introduce himself. Nasally voice goes, "What do you think about rock climbing on Mars?" And I go, "Are you going to pay my airfare?" And then I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I just blew it. <laughs> and this That's beautiful- a great comeback. Right. (laughs) But I'm like, I just blew it. And this guy goes, get him down here. And then like disappeared. And they're like, well, okay, that was Skip Wilson, our director of test operations. Um, Apparently, Skip would like to meet you. I came down, like not knowing my project manager, like who's Skip? Talked to this guy. And apparently, Skip was the guy who ran all the testing for all the landing systems for the Mars Mm -hmm. landers in the 1990s Pathfinder. And they were ramping up to do the um, MUR missions that landed in 2003 so they, he was leading all the testing for these giant airbags that would inflate up around them and he wanted to talk to me to be in test operations which meant like traveling to government facilities across the world where they could like simulate mars conditions and <laughs> he said what caught his eye was i was a decent enough student but he said i saw you had rock climbing on there and he said so i need guys or team members i can send out into the field into timbuktu and no, they're not going to get themselves killed. And it turns out he was former special forces in Vietnam. So like <laughs> when he saw it, he's like, he's like, man, I'm from heaven. He's like someone with half a brain <laughs> that that can do do dangerous yeah. hazardous things yeah. and, operations and come home alive. Um, so that is how I ended up working in the space program. I never was a project manager. I walked in the door my first day, January 15th at 8 a.m. And I was out the door by 10.30 a.m. that same day on the way to the airport, on the way to some government test facility. (laughs) So that pretty much kicked off the next like years of my life, which took me all across the world. I mean, I I got all expense paid trips to Pearl Harbor, you know, to work on Department of Defense stuff, Mojave Desert. I was in Antarctica for a little while. So um, all because, you know, I lost that internship with Disney. Disney. And yeah. then, you know, just kind of took those leaps throughout my life of like, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. Yeah. My... Now, when that happens, I'm like, okay, God, you obviously have a hand in this. I'll, I'll trust, you know, trust your, uh, yeah, yeah,
0: trust that's... your judgment. Uh, what, yeah, a, what an incredible
1: story. Yeah. And that's the road.
0: <laughs> and and doing some research, I I now, you're out of that business now, right? Correct. So what that's... is your current? What do you currently do? Um, for a living.
1: Yeah. So in 2017, uh, my wife and I prayerfully made the decision that it was time for me to leave engineering and turn my side hustle of photography into my full-time gig. Mm. So that's what I've been doing full-time since 2017. Um, It started with commercial photography um, and then moved into portraiture. And over the past year, I started developing uh, keynotes and workshops on imposter syndrome. Wow. Because even though, you know, I, like I said, I had all these accolades from, you know, all these organizations, I never believed I was worthy of them. Like one time I got a letter of commendation from the Department of Defense. And I remember standing on stage almost in tears because I was certain, absolutely certain the president of our company was going to look at it and be like, yeah, Melora, you actually don't deserve this. <laughs> Which is like the definition of imposter syndrome. like, yep. feeling like, like, because the data was out there. Like the thing we worked on for the military was out doing its thing where it was supposed to be doing it. Um, So once I went through my own healing journey and learned to turn the volume down of imposter syndrome, that's why I turned it into a workshop, um, which are in-person or self-paced online. And recently I, I launched a men's coaching program called awesome. authentic, authentic men of action.
0: Wow. That's really, really cool. So Where, where, where was, where were you in that journey when you started really feeling the imposter syndrome? That's my first question. And then follow up with what are some coping mechanisms that we could have Turn down techniques? Um, because this is something that coaches struggle with constantly. I just won a national championship. I still don't feel like I'm worthy of anything. I just got this promotion in my, you know, went from assistant coach to head coach or whatever it is. And they yeah. still don't think, especially with men, and it's hard for men to talk about it. Women, you know, being married, I I see the women's side and they talk very freely about those things and they can, right. the other women rally around it. With men, we truly
1: put a guard up because we have to have this facade of, we got everything together. Like right. we can solve any problem. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Which that, that's where, that was the impetus for my coaching program. Because so many guys operate out of a place of wanting to do good, but they're just doing what they think they should do. Because what are the models that men have? It's like we're either Rambo and we can like are supposed to be able to take down like an enemy helicopter with like a thumbtack and a rubber band, you know, or, you know, the other way we're portrayed in popular culture is like Homer Simpson or like the buffoon. Yeah. Yeah, guys are like that want to do good and do right by their families and loved ones and jobs, they start operating out places that are inauthentic to how they are designed, and you can only do that for so long till things start coming out sideways, you know, with like resentment. So that's why it was real important for me to create that men's coaching program and to normalize that conversation for guys because, like you said. Guys historically aren't so good at saying, "Hey, I got a problem or I'm struggling with this." Um, So I've been, you know, building like a community of other guys that, you know, from the outside end, people would be like, "Wow, those people operate at elite levels." Like I just did a um, Instagram live with a gentleman named William Branham. He's a 26 year veteran of the Navy SEALs. And our whole reason for doing that was. I'm a I'm a former rocket scientist. He's a former SEAL. Like, there's not much more elite <laughs> you can get. That's now. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, maybe if we had like a Super Bowl champion on there or something. There like, you go. To, but he and I shared our stories of despite you know these tremendous accomplishments and operating at elite levels, still not feeling good enough. So to get back to your your original question um, about what are some techniques to turn this down. Um, one of the things that that I do, and I always encourage people to do this, um, is I call it, like, create your archive of awesome. Like, write down wins. And this isn't groundbreaking. This isn't earth shattering. Like, I came up with the alliteration of Archive of Awesome. But, you know, that's one <laughs> yeah. of the best things you can do is, like, write down little wins. And... People were like, "Well, I was never Employee of the Year, or I, you know, I was a high school standout in football, you know that." But that was so long ago. It's like, no, dude, like write down that you figured out how to set your car tiles right, that like you could defrost your windshield, you know, when that happens, like little <laughs> victories. Because when you look at those little victories from, and I always encourage people, go as far back as you can remember. Write down that you won the Pinewood Derby when you were a Cub Scout, when you were seven, because like fear doesn't fight fair like it's it's going to bring something up when you were five years old and trip you up decades later so it's like if fear's yeah. not going to fight fair then all right we're going to do some guerrilla warfare tactics and we're going to write our archive of awesome all the way back so that's one of the best things i can i tell people to do is start start in your phone write it in your journal or write it yep. in hard copy you know sign up for yep. my newsletter because you get one for free i send you the pdf that's available so shameless plug um yep. Yeah, that's one of the biggest things you can do is keep track of those little victories and big victories.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: it's it's so true. It's you know, and we we have John
0: Acuff as common friend, and he talks about you know, joy doesn't come naturally in our brain like while we're grocery shopping, but fear does. Sense mm-hmm. of in in and in inadequacy comes so fast where you're just walking through the grocery store and they're like, yeah, you're not that good. Yeah. <laughs> you know but it's it it usually doesn't come like wow I'm grocery shopping like a boss right now I'm just yeah. mastering this you know um okay. so it's um yeah it's it's something I think that a lot of men and women do but men are so scared of talking about so I'm so glad that there's someone there championing that uh that battle um for us yeah. all out there um and I know a lot of our audience will will appreciate you coming out and being Vulnerable yourself, sharing your story, as well as giving us some tips on on how to get better. John, yeah. you mentioned a, a newsletter. Can you tell us how can we find you? Yep. Um, where can we find you? And maybe even how can we sign up for that newsletter?
1: Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, so it's johnmalora.com, J-O-H-N. I'll spell it out since it's not a normal name, M-O-L-L-U-R-A. <laughs> um, just right at the top there, says sign up for my newsletter, you click that, sign up, you'll get the archive of awesome PDF right away. And then trickled out over the next five days are um, emails and also like little video shorts in there with me explaining like how imposter syndrome might be showing up in ways you don't even realize it. Like spoiler alert, perfectionism <laughs> is a sign of imposter syndrome. Um, and then just some some techniques, you know, to start turning the volume down of it. Um, so, yeah, John Instagram, John Malora, Facebook, real creative. John Malora speaks. Okay. <laughs> Just Google John Malora. I think there might be like one other dude named John Malora. <laughs> okay, there you go. Awesome. Awesome. John, now we
0: have our our new um, <laughs> new thing for the podcast this season is the the previous guest asked a question to the next guest without knowing who that person was. All right. Um, and you get a chance to do that for the next guest. Um, last guest question was, what is your one word for this season of life?
1: Surrender. And why is that so i i've been doing photography full-time for over six years now you know um and it 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 never really took off like it was always profitable and did well enough like you know we still have our house and you know (laughs) but it never like took off and it I did some real so- big soul searching earlier um, this year, the beginning of summer. And it was like, what's going on, God? I stepped out in faith. I, I felt like I was called to do this, you know, years ago. Where's, where's the, the bounty? Like why, why is this just kind of like humming along, like existing instead of like being yeah. fruitful. And then like my photography business, like really, really, like dried up. Like it was like wild. Like so many like things fell through. Like I was supposed to do a maternity shoot for somebody. And they're like, um, we're gonna we're gonna have to postpone it. And it was pretty close to their due date. Turns out they had the baby on the night they were supposed to do the maternity shoot. Everyone's fine now, but it's like things like that happen. Like so many things happened that like yeah. just fell apart. And you know, I I am a facilitator for nothing is wasted ministries pain to purpose course. And one of the things they talk about is instead of saying like, why God? Oh, why? Don't ask why, because that might not be, you might not need to know that. Yeah. What God wants you to ask is what do I do now? What are you trying to show me God? And like prayerfully lean into that. And so when my photography business really slowed down, um, like it never had before, I was like, all right, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> And it like God said, hey, I put all these opportunities for you to serve men in your life, you know, leading the men's pain to purpose devotional course. Um, one of my clients invited me to a, a group called F3, which stands for Fitness Fellowship and Faith. It's a it was started in the Carolinas by former Green Bray and his buddy because they realized men need community. So, yep. twice a week we get together and exercise at five fifteen a.m. 45 minutes. It's all peer led. It's all men. It's all free. Um, So that got dropped in. And then another author, um, his name is Johnny L. Sasser. Um, His book got put into my life. And a lot of the work that he has you do at the end of every chapter was like pivotal. In me realizing it's like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm here to serve men in this season of my life. So um, I'm surrendering in the fact that I'm pulling away from the photography business and like really going in on the coaching and the speaking. And so that's where the surrender is just like, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to continue to follow you. Now the caveat is, it's not like I'm like, all right, God, I'm doing what you want. I'm just going to hang out here and watch the Netflix until, uh, <laughs> yeah. until, you know, I get a, a yeah. call from, you know, someone to speak to 5,000 people. It's like, no, it's like I'm out there doing the work to build that yeah. side of business now.
0: Yeah, we had Jason Romano and he was a producer for ESPN. And he talked about active patience. And he mm-hmm. said, when you're waiting on God, don't just sit on your butt. Like, go, go do, go keep moving. Keep moving yep. and wait. Keep moving and wait. Yeah, Because um, yep. that's where, that's where you'll, you'll find what God is trying to tell you Netflix very rarely God is speaking through you know to me through Netflix
1: <laughs> No, absolutely. Not. yeah one of the phrases my pastor um said at the beginning of the summer right when I was kind of going through all this was um he, he said work your weight and that's w-a-i-t not, not wait as in like poundage it's like yeah. Do the work while you're waiting on God
0: yeah awesome that's great John now it's your turn All right. What is your question for our next guest?
1: Okay. (laughs) Because I know my answer. That's why I'm laughing. Yeah. What is the weirdest thing you ever ate?
0: What is the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Yep. All right. Sounds good. And what was your answer?
1: Uh, I was in, I'll I'll preface this with, I was in China. (laughs) (laughs) at a dinner they invited me to um it's a toss-up between beef throat or chicken intestines Mm. probably chicken intestines just for the gross factor
0: that's tough yeah Yeah, that's tough
1: in brazil we eat chicken hearts like regularly yeah Yeah. um
0: but when i tell people here in america they're pretty grossed out but to me it's completely normal chicken hearts
1: yeah Yeah, hearts (laughs) hearts aren't a big deal i've eaten lots of i don't think i've eaten a chicken heart beef deer yeah, Some pig, I don't know. But but yeah, but the but the whole intestine part. Oh, just, that's tough. Yeah,
0: yeah that's not, tough. <laughs>
1: John, um,
0: thank you so much for coming on. How can we be praying for you?
1: Yeah, j- just pray that I continue to be obedient and patient. Patience is not one of my natural skill sets. so patience and obedience. Awesome. Let's pray real quick. All right.
0: Dear God, thank you so much for, for John. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to to meet together and lift up your name with, with our chat. Lord, I pray that as John now transitions from the photography business to to a coaching and, and speaking um, side of things, Lord, I pray that he'll focus on surrender and patience and, and continue to lean on you every step of the way, Lord, because we know that when 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 we work with you, Lord, our labor is not in vain. In your name I pray. Amen. John, Amen. thank you so much for coming on. All right. Thanks, brother. And listeners, always remember the mission field is right where you're at.